welcome Bobby Kelly to our pulpit. Bobby, of course, is no stranger to South Tulsa, having served as interim pastor prior to Eric coming. He also comes annually to do our January Bible study, which he will be back to do tonight, and he was planning to preach this morning. Uh, Eric was planning to be here this morning, of course. Uh, Dr. Kelly came to OBU in 1997, and many of you, including several of our staff, sat under his teaching. In May 2011, OBU awarded Dr. Kelly the Distinguished Teacher Award, the highest honor for OBU faculty members. He is a frequent writer for many of our Baptist publications and is a much demanded speaker across our state. Now, I don't think Eric would have given you such a glowing introduction. He would have some story to tell about some class, I'm sure. But Dr. Kelly and his wife Angie have two sons, Luke and Levi. We're blessed to have him here today. Bobby, come and share God's word with us. Thank you, Philip. So uh, it's, a, it's a reminder of how much I miss being here, just the music. So uh, what a treasure you have in, uh, in Philip and the choir and the those who play the instruments. You can't just go anywhere uh, and find that. So I'm glad to be back, although uh, I can't see you as well behind your mask. And uh, when Philip said I come annually, it sort of sounds like I'm like the flu virus that comes every year. But, you know, COVID has given virus is such a bad name. I don't want to be associated with that. But I, but I am glad to make my annual pilgrimage that Eric still invites me back to do a winter Bible study. And we'd already planned for me to do this morning service. He's supposed to speak in chapel at OBU on Wednesday. And uh, I'm not sure what that's going to mean. Uh, he may be quarantined. He may be showing symptoms. I who knows? Uh, but uh, I'm glad I was already scheduled to be here today. I've been looking forward to it, and uh, so good to see you, even behind your masks. And uh, uh, so let's get to the, to the sermon this morning. It's 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 16 is the text. And it begins, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love has not known God because God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed among us. God sent his unique son into the world in order that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice that would atone for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us this way, we ought to love one another in the same way. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we abide in him and he abides in us, because he has given to us of his spirit. And we have seen and we are bearing witness that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Anyone who confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in God abides in them and they abide in God. And we have known and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Robert McAfee Brown did a parody of a well-known hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. He did a parody, Backward Christian Soldiers. 
Now, I'm not going to sing all this for you, but I'll, I'll quote, quote it like a poem. Like a fleeing army moves the church of God. Brother treads on brother, grinds him in the sod. We are not united, lots of bodies we. One lacks faith, another hope, and all lack charity. Backward Christian soldiers waging fruitless wars breaking out in schisms that our God deplores. Now that's the first of several songs I'm going to sing today. But the lack of love among those who claim to be the people of God, though it might be a contemporary issue for us, a present danger, it's not new. John repeatedly commands his audience in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and in the Gospel of John that we should love one another. In fact, if you go back to 1 John chapter 3, now I've, I'm doing 4, 7 through 16 as the focus, and then I'll pick up the next verse 4, 17 tonight. So I'm sort of leading into what I'm going to do tonight. But I want to go back to where he first takes up this call to love one another in 1 John 3, beginning at verse 11. For this is the message which you heard from the beginning, in order that we love one another not like Cain who was of the evil one and he gives the example of Cain and what had Cain done Cain killed his brother Abel because he was of the evil one so here's the commandment that we are to love one another not like Cain who hated his brother and killed him but we should love our brother verse 13 and do not marvel brothers if the world hates you we know that we have crossed over out of death into life because we love the brothers the one who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we've come to know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Whoever, whoever has material possessions necessary for life and sees his brother having need and shuts off his compassion from him how is the love of God abiding in him little children let us not love in word nor in speech but in deed and in truth and he continues to develop then that call to love one another into the text that I just read 4 7 through 16 so he begins with the command beloved let us love one another now you are not surprised that a New Testament passage would give us that command. In fact, you wouldn't be surprised that you'd receive that command anywhere in Scripture. It is a theme that weaves its way through all of the Bible. You go back to the law, Leviticus 19.18, the text that, uh, that was read earlier. It ends with, love your neighbor as yourself. It is the call to love one another. The New Testament certainly picks up on it. Jesus in Matthew 22 is asked what's the greatest commandment he says love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself Paul picks up on it in Romans chapter 13 after giving a list he sort of lists some of the commandments and then he says but they're all the commandments are summed up in this love your neighbor as yourself in James chapter 2 James calls it the royal law love your neighbor as yourself the royal law uh, like the law of laws the king of laws the laws of the kingdom love your neighbor as yourself 
it is woven throughout scripture john even picks it up in his gospel you, you remember the teaching of jesus when he says a new commandment i give you well it's not really a new commandment it's really an old command but it's new in some sense love one another and so it's not surprising that the command would come to us today from this passage in first john beloved let us love one another the problem is not that we are unfamiliar with the command the greater problem is we don't understand the nature of love we allow our conception our idea of what love is we allow it to be framed by lots of sources outside of scripture and that creates a great deal of confusion and false notions about the nature of love if you get your understanding of love from movies or from literature or even from hallmark cards it is certain that we will have a false notion of the nature of love and what it is that we are being commanded to do the first definition in the dictionary is love is an intense feeling of deep affection an intense feeling of deep affection in other words love is what one feels if you like country music music then you'll determine that love is some madness of the mind that will drive you to drinking I mean let's be honest about it country music every country song sort of has the same themes it involves a country road or a back road a pickup truck love or love lost and adult drinks that are necessary to get over it there's a there's a, a more recent artist his name's Morgan Wallen he's from just up the holler from where I'm from I'm from southeastern Kentucky he's from East Tennessee just 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 a bit over the mountain and there's a line from one of his songs and it just typifies this tequila made me crazy cold beer wouldn't do so I whiskeyed my way over you <laughs> now if you're drawing your conception that the, your love is this madness of the mind and you're going to need strong drink to get over it you've got a false conception of the kind of love that scripture commands us to and maybe it, the worst we identify love with romanticism or sentimentality this might be drawn from your hallmark card and often we simply equate it with sex too many women have told me with the bruises still uh, evident on their face that the husband or boyfriend who's responsible for those bruises really does love them and that's rooted in this idea that love is some sort of a feeling and so the truth hides behind the word love and the truth is by any biblical definition of love you don't love someone that you could beat or abuse you might have strong feelings towards them you might think you can't live without them but you don't love them not by any sort of biblical definition with all these false notions swirling around when we hear that we are to love one another we're likely to pour some of those into what it is we're being commanded to do John knew they needed not only the command but a crash course in what that love entails and what it means and so after the command to love one another he provides the basis of that command in the latter part of verse 7 and into verse 8 he says beloved love one another here's the basis because love is of God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God 
The one who does not love has not known God because God is love. So here's the rationale for the commandment that we are to love one another. It is that God is love. Now you'll note that he doesn't say God loves here, that God performs love in some way, or it's something that God does. He's going to get to that. But before he does, he just makes a statement about God's nature. This is something about the essence of God. God is love. Whatever it means to be God, however you want to try to define that, when you break it down, God is love. Now he does that with one other statement. In chapter 1, verse 5, he says God is light. Not that he shows light or not that he gives light, although it's true that he does. He is light. And he's the source of all light. In the same way, God is love, and thus he's the source of all love. Now what does that statement, God is love, really tell us about God? Above everything else, it tells us that all of God's actions are loving. If God is love, then God could not act contrary to God's nature. So whatever God does reflects God's love. It's impossible for him to act contrary to his nature. Now you might be sitting here this morning going through horrible circumstances or recently you've been through very difficult times. It might be related to COVID. You may have had it and been very sick. I had it over Christmas. I had about, my whole family did, all within a few days of each other, we all started showing the symptoms. Uh, I felt really bad for about four days, like, like a bad case of the flu. Then I sort of took a leap up and tapered off for a few more days, and it took eight, nine, ten days before I felt somewhat normal again. Now that was right through the Christmas season. Um, just the last few days, I've awakened, not this morning, but a couple days this week, with uh, some vertigo. And I thought, I've never experienced this. What's going on? And then I heard somebody talking yesterday about that as a lingering symptom of COVID. Who knows all the long-term effects it could have? Some of you have seen the short-term effects it could have. You may have known someone who was really sick in the hospital or maybe even has died. Or I think since I was with you last, uh, the tragedy with one of your members that I missed sing in the choir this morning see his wife and I think about how devastating uh, the drowning of a loved one would be in your life I've thought about it over the last nearly year about how devastating and there's so many of these kinds of events that happen in our lives and it can cause us to question whether or not God really loves us or whether or not some action or some event that takes place in our life, if God could allow that, how could we say that God loves us? Of course, this is an age-old question. I'm not going to claim that I'm going to solve it all here in the next two minutes. But I would say God is love and can't act contrary to his nature. And the truth is, God has already demonstrated his love for us in such a profound and ultimate way that his love is really beyond question. 
he has done that in the giving of his son he sent his son three times we're going to see that we're going to see it in verse 9 we're going to see it again three times in this text he sent his son to meet our deepest need and there was really nothing compelling him to do that other than God's own will he has given his son to atone for our sins we've been transformed crossed over from death to life all of this rooted in his great love for us having done that no matter what challenges might come to life ultimately God has already demonstrated his love for us in the fiddler on the roof song number two when Tevya asked Gold after 25 years of marriage do you love me she answers for 25 years I've washed your clothes cooked your meals cleaned the house given you children milked your cow she then she asked then if that's not love what is now I'm I don't want to claim that you know doing that kind of dutiful service means love because you could you could you could serve someone in such a way with a cold soul it does not that in and of itself does not prove you love someone and love shouldn't be uh, sort of defined as servitude as that sort of sounds but love will demonstrate itself by action and that's what God has demonstrated to us in the sending of his son he has demonstrated his love to us in the ultimate way the giving of his son also the fact that God is love teaches us that God is not capricious or impulsive God is not given to mood swings where he might act in ways where he doesn't see the consequences of God's actions no God knows precisely what God is doing and he uh, he knows the outcome of every action God takes God is love he's not capricious he's not impulsive God is compassionate to say that God is love means that God has taken the initiative in establishing a relationship with us we, we get this false notion sometimes that somehow we were seeking God and then we found God when all the time God was seeking us we couldn't even know him if he did not make himself known to us and then I would say to say God is love means that God is the source of all true love he is the origin and the source of true love and so when he says in verse 7 everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God it's sort of like saying like father like son or like father like children how can you identify the the child of a father hopefully by the way they act or even by the way they look like father like child if God is love how should we behave as his children one of my favorite pictures someone took in this service on a Sunday morning about five years ago coming up on five years ago it was near the end of my interim and I was standing right over there on the front row and my younger son Levi whose birthday is today he turns 15 today 
he was standing next to me over there with a red um, Under Armour pullover zip up here and somebody took a picture from, from sort of behind us and we're both standing there I'm sure Philip was leading uh, the choir and our hands are behind our backs in, the, in precisely the same way and we're standing in exactly the same way both looking up at the screen it, he just looks like a mini me standing there it's, it's one of my favorite pictures and um, he, he, he just looks like me he was standing just like me that day but he looks like me my older son looks more like his mother but he really looks like me he went and played basketball at the rock that's the recreation and wellness center at obu i had to do something else he said i'll go to the rock and play so the next day a student said i played basketball with your son yesterday he said i didn't even have to ask if that was your son i knew when i saw him that was your son he looked so much like you like father like son that's precisely the point that john is making if we've been born of God, if we are the children of God, then we ought to reflect that God's nature, which is love. And if we do not reflect love towards our brothers and sisters, it speaks to whether or not we are the children of God. The demonstration of God's love comes in verses 9 and 10. I've already sort of hinted at it, but he makes it more clear here. The demonstration of God's love God has revealed his love for us by sending his son to die for us verse 9 in this way the love of God was revealed in us or among us God sent his unique son his one and only son into the world in order that we might live through him I mean there's the declaration God has demonstrated his love towards us in that he sent his son, his unique son. The word that he uses here to describe his son is a word that's sometimes translated one and only. The problem is that same word is used to describe Abraham and his relationship to his son Isaac, that Isaac is his one and only son. But Abraham had another son, Ishmael. So I think that's not the best translation of it. I think it means unique son. Isaac was Abraham's unique son. He was the chosen one. Here, with reference to Jesus, God sent his unique son. Now, there's a sense in which every human being is a child of God by virtue of having been created by God and having been created in his image. So it's not incorrect to call every, any human being a child of God. But that's, that's just based in creation and the image of God in us. There is a much higher sense in which those who place faith in Jesus are sons and daughters of God. We are children of God by virtue of our faith in Jesus. Now, that, that changes the relationship radically. That's a whole other level of relationship with God. And then even higher is the relationship that the Father and Son have where Jesus is, in a sense, his natural-born son. We are adopted into God's family, but Jesus is his unique son, in, in, in a way more similar to the way Levi that I referenced, or Luke, my older son, is my son. Jesus is God's son, 
and he sent him and what did he send him for in order that we might live through him this whole statement of the incarnation God taking upon himself human flesh is all about God demonstrating his love that baby born in Bethlehem that you could see visibly that grown man who was crucified on a cross in Jerusalem he was the visible manifestation the visible expression the visible sign of God's what might sometimes be or feel like hidden love and then read a little further verse 10 by this in this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice or a an atonement for our sins now he goes just a little farther to describe what he sent him for he said so that we might live through him but how do we live through him we have a problem every human being does we have sinned we have broken God's law that's our problem we might point to other problems that we have as individuals or in our country but this is the problem we have sinned and we are separated from God we need someone to atone for our sins and animals couldn't do it in the Old Testament system you could have a lamb or the blood of bulls and goats but that didn't atone finally for sins that just sort of held back God's wrath but human beings needed more than an animal to die for them it had to be one of us a lamb is a nice symbol but a lamb could not atone for our sins Jesus in human flesh the eternal son of God he became for us an atonement for our sins some translations will use the word propitiation you sort of feel like you need to go to seminary just to be able to pronounce that word I bet a lot of your translations here at verse 10 have that word propitiation or some sort of statement of atoning sacrifice what is that propitiation word it has to do with appeasing God's wrath that Jesus in his death appeased God's wrath towards ungodliness and sin now another way to translate that some translations will use the term expiation I'm not I don't know of a more a recent translation that does but some older translations did well, what's that mean that means that God has cleansed us of our sin now think of the difference propitiation means that God's wrath has been appeased you appease a person expiation means that somehow our sins have been removed but it's difficult to to choose one over the other there because both of those are true in in the sending of his son and in the death of Jesus he cleansed our sin and he appeased God's wrath and that's why a lot of modern translations will say something like he atoned for our sins or he was the atoning sacrifice it sort of balls all that up together 
that is the ultimate demonstration of God's love you can see it in the sending of his son as a sacrifice for our sin so what are the identifying marks of God's love in us if we are abiding in God and he's in us if we are his children then how how is this love evident in us what are the marks of the God's love in us look at verse 11 and 12 beloved if God loved us in this way we also ought to love one another no one has seen God at any time if we love one another God abides in us uh, and his love has been made perfect or complete in us it goes back to what we've been talking about all morning the identifying mark of the love of God in us is that we love others bottom line that love is evident in the way we treat others in our love for our brothers and our sisters now I'm all about love for neighbor but that's for another sermon in John it's all about loving your brothers and your sisters you know why because their church was in a very difficult situation there were people teaching some false doctrine about the nature of Jesus they had pulled out of the church they'd split the church you can imagine the hard feelings that were there John's churches were going through a very difficult time and when a church is going through a difficult time it needs to work really hard at loving one another your brothers and your sisters no time is it more important than when we're going through difficulty for us to love one another and you think about the last year for churches how difficult this COVID has been how it has divided us and and not just literally divided us separated us physically but it has divided churches I, I have felt such sympathy for so many of my former students like Eric and and I don't know about Eric specifically that you all have had these challenges but I know almost every church I've been in has told me the leadership has told me man it's been rough no matter what decision we made somebody was upset about it if we if we went all, all online they were upset we should be meeting together if we didn't go online we're putting people at risk if we wear masks somebody's angry if we don't wear masks somebody's angry there's just seemed no way to avoid conflict and then just it's been such a challenging year and divisive year what do we need in times like this we need to love one another and yet in the midst of this difficult year we've had one of the most divisive political seasons I'm 55 and I know we're given to say boy this has really been a tough year but it's been the most divisive year I've ever seen politically now I'm just 55 some of you all might have seen worse but in my 55 years I've never seen anything like the last few months politically and that just divides us further and, and that becomes a, a problem because so many of us identify ourselves more by a political party than we do as children of God so that we feel more kinship with and might be willing to even show more love to somebody who agrees with us politically than somebody who is our brother or sister confess the name of Jesus together been in those waters together and yet disagree politically 
it, it's just sort of been a perfect storm of division what do we need we need to love one another we need to identify ourselves as children of God in Christ and that needs to be the most important identification we have and I'll love my brother I'll love my sister if they disagree with me politically if they cheer for OSU rather than OU I'm still going to love them because they're my brother because my identity in Christ is more important than whether I say you know guns whatever or boomer sooner whatever corporate identity sometimes we identify ourselves by the by the company we're involved with and then if somebody's in a company that's a rival we none of those things can define us we are children of God and we ought to love one another and the identifying mark of that love is that we love one another now there's several other things here he says we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit in verse 13 he has given to us of his spirit his spirit that he has given us his spirit is an identifying mark of God's love in us in verses 14 and 15 he says we should bear witness we have seen and we bear witness look at verse 14 that the father sent his son to be savior of the world whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God abides in him and he in God and then verse 16 and we have come to know and we have believed the love which God has among us God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him we live with the assurance that we are in him and he is in us that's an identifying mark of God's love and honestly I can't imagine anything we need more at this moment in time than the assurance that God has not lost control of God's world that God has not left us that God does indeed love us that's the assurance we need and if God does love us then we ought to show that love to others our brothers and sisters now I've got a little exercise here for you sort of like uh, homework look around I want you to look around at the person crane your neck just a little bit look to your side can you can you look behind you can you see I know the mask might hide but I bet you I bet you're recognizing some people as you look around do you love that person well show them and you show them by the kind of love that God has shown us the willingness to lay down your life for them think about that because he laid down his life for us we ought to be willing to lay down our lives for the person you just turned around and saw and if they're in need maybe your life's not what they need maybe they need a coat maybe they need a meal if you have what is necessary for you to survive materially and you see your brother or sister in need and you shut off your compassion to them how can you say the love of God abides in you 
look around this place love your brother love your sister let's pray our father we are amazed at the love that you have poured out on us at the affirmation we find in that love that you have sent your son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins you met our deepest need and you love us may we demonstrate that love to our brothers and sisters in the name of Christ who gave his life for us so that we might live I pray amen Philip's going to come and lead us in invitation I'll ask you to stand with me now as Philip leads us <laughs>